Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. We have more beautiful free family downloads available for you that go along with our theme this year of restoration. We had new ones come out for the month of November and you are going to love them. They are going to encourage your family in this season of Thanksgiving. And you can find them on our app or on our website. So be sure to go and check them out. Now, if you've missed some of the other ones that we have released throughout this year, each month we've had new downloads, no worries. Go to the website, go to the app, and you can find all of the ones for each month there available for you to encourage you on your journey as you raise your amazing children with special needs. My guest today is Katie Whitmire, and Katie is a pastor's wife and a stay-at-home mom with four kids, and two of her children have special needs. Katie has such a heart for encouraging other moms and helping people learn how to simplify their lives. We had such a great conversation about the importance of community, and Katie just shares her heart in this episode, and I know you will be encouraged by her story. So here's my conversation with Katie Whitmire. Hey, Katie, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Hey, I am great. I'm so glad to see you. You know, we get to do life together uh, virtually every week because we are in community group together. And yeah. I'm I'm excited. You were, you were on our episode where we talked about community groups, but mm-hmm. I wanted to go a little bit deeper into your story because we didn't have much time to look at everyone's individual lives. And so I appreciate your willingness to come back and have a conversation more about your family and your journey and your story. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for having me. So I know I know a little bit about you. I don't know all the things about you. So I'm excited to mm-hmm. dig in today, but just give us, just tell us a little bit about your family, where you guys live, a little bit about your kids as we get started. I am married. I've been married for 11 years. My husband and I have four kids, two of which are special needs and two are neurotypical. Our oldest is Royce. He's 10 and he is neurotypical. He's a great big brother to his younger sisters. And then we have Eva May, who is nine. She is our little mama of the family. Ah, sweet. She has um, MCDK. She has a rare genetic disorder. Um, She's also been diagnosed as um, borderline intellectual functioning, and she has had seizures in the past. Yeah. Then our third child is Maisley, and she's five. She is neurotypical and full of joy. I call her our Pentecostal. (laughs) She loves to sing and dance. (laughs) And lastly, we have our one-year-old. She is Leonora, and... She was diagnosed at four months old with cerebral palsy. So you have had quite a journey, you know, two kids impacted by disability and, you know, so your, your, your second daughter and then your youngest daughter are your ones Mm -hmm. that have special needs. And so what was that journey like for you? How did you start realizing with Eva Mae that something was amiss? What did that look like? When I was 36 weeks pregnant with her, they found the um, multicystic dysplastic kidney disorder. They saw the the cystic kidneys on the ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And that's when they told me that there was something wrong with the kidney. And 
it caused fear and panic. Mm-hmm. And we live in a small town about 45 minutes outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And it wasn't real common. So we had a normal labor and delivery. And then as soon as she was born, we start seeing specialists. And mm-hmm. it was like really traumatic and scary mm-hmm. in the beginning. Because here I am dealing with a newborn yeah. and specialist. And it's like, you never want to hear that in the same mm-hmm. sentence. But that's what we heard. And so... It was just figuring out the first thing, which was the kidney disorder. And then as she grew, I think God really blessed us with the kidney doctor that we have because he was also a geneticist before he became a kidney specialist. And he informed me as we went to our routine checkups that he said she had all these little different things that kept happening with her. Mm -hmm. And he told me, he said, that's the sign of a genetic disorder. So he told us to go and talk with our pediatrician. And so then all the other diagnoses started popping up and it just went from there. Yeah. And that can be so overwhelming. You know, you're, you've got this newborn baby, you, you kind of knew at birth that something was not quite right, you, you know, from your ultrasounds, but you know, what did that do to your mama's heart as you are, Caring for this newborn, you have an another child who at that point would have been what about a year old? Mm-hmm. Or this would have been about a year old. And so yes. you know, how are you managing that? You know, at the as a young mom and all these specialists, all these new terms, all these things, what did that do to you as a in you know, your mama's heart? Oh, I cried so much in the beginning. Because I'm sitting here, like you said, it's terms you've never heard. You're just so overwhelmed with everything. And I, my little sister told me, described it best this way. Grief is what you experience at the time. And grief is like a ball inside of a box. And that ball is going to hit this button. And the ball is so big in the beginning. But as you become accustomed to the things the ball starts to shrink and it hits the button less Mm. causing your grief to not be as big as Mm -hmm. it was Yeah, because now you're getting it into perspective. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the beginning, it's all you see. Yeah. And so it was in the beginning, it was a lot of tears shed and you know, my poor husband, I felt for him because he's like, I don't know how to help you. And I'm going, you really can't, you know, it's, as a woman, you just kind of have to process through it and deal with it mm-hmm. in your own special way. Yeah. And and it can be so overwhelming. And, you know, we as moms, we handle it so different than dads do. And so, you know, trying to navigate that in your marriage and, you know, all those things. I'm I'm sure there were tricky moments there trying to navigate through all of the loss and all of the new new terms and all the things. Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. My husband is more of the worrier in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And his his whole family is. They, they're they the Southern loving, you know, we worry about every little thing. Yeah. And then my family is in the medical field. Mm. So I was kind of like, okay, we'll call the medical people and mm-hmm. get medical perspectives just to keep it in check. But then we'll also love and 
you know, I would have worry creep up a lot too. Mm-hmm. But just like we talk about in our community group Bible study, you know, we got to keep that stuff in check. And when right. worry pops up, we have to remind ourselves mm-hmm. with the truth, like we're talking about. Yeah. And just say, okay, you know what? God's got it. Mm-hmm. He's going to give us what we need in the moment that we need it. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. It's so true. We have to keep that perspective of what is the truth in this situation because it's so easy to get caught up in all those terms and all those labels and all the what ifs and all those things. And so just constantly refocusing back to the truth is so critical. Mm -hmm. Well, so let's fast forward a few years. Mm -hmm. You've got, you've had another child in between and then your sweet little one-year-old now, she's one years old now comes along and yet again, you're dealing with specialists, you're dealing with issues. So walk us through that. What was that experience like? Yes, hers was a total surprise. I had a normal pregnancy and then at delivery, um, I was actually um, seven centimeters dilated and things just went crazy. Mm. Her heart rate started going up or started dropping. And when she was born, she had the cord wrapped around her a couple times. When they put her on my chest, she was blue wow. and it scared me. Mm-hmm. I had never seen, except on television, mm-hmm. a blue baby. And it just, my heart sank. And my mom is a labor and delivery nurse. She has been all my life. And she was with me and she looked at me as I had fear in my face mm-hmm. and she's like, are you ready for us to take the baby? Because the thing right now is to leave the baby on the mom's chest. That's just best for the baby. Right. And so then they took her and they started doing stuff with her and moving her around. And she finally cried out and started Mm -hmm. breathing. And at four months, we went to our four month checkup and I asked her pediatrician, I said, it's kind of weird. She's like really advancing. She's Mm -hmm. already chosen a dominant hand and, all this crazy stuff. And the pediatrician's like, no, they don't pick a dominant hand till about four or five years old. So he started looking at her and she would have tremors. Oh goodness. And then he sent us out to physical therapy and the physical therapist told us she had hypertonia. Well, then the, we went back to the pediatrician and they sent us to neurology And the neurologist did confirm she does have cerebral palsy, but she's doing really well with it. I mean, we try not to, we try not to baby her. And Mm -hmm. with her being the baby of four, she tries to keep up. So I'm like, she's already walking, she's climbing on stuff, Mm -hmm. but it does look a little bit different from a regular kid her age, Mm -hmm. but she's doing it. So. I'm going to take it. Yeah. So, you know, what was that like for you? You know, you have, you already have your one daughter who you knew you were dealing with special needs there. And then to see your baby and your baby is blue. What was going through your mind at that time? Were you already going to, oh my goodness, you know, what's this going to look like? What what was running through your mind? I really wasn't that concerned about having a second special needs child. Because it's kind of like, I was actually talking to my husband about this the other day. It's kind of like we've been down this road. Yes, it's a little bit different, but 
I've seen what God's brought us mm. through already. Yeah. So I know he's going to bring us through this too. It's good. So yeah. it kind of gave me a little bit more peace mm-hmm. this time. Whereas in the beginning I was like with Eva May, I was more anxious Yeah. because I had no idea what mm-hmm. I was embarking on. Yeah. So, so when you look at your life so far, you know, your, your oldest daughter was that has special needs is nine. So when you look at your journey so far, what's for you has been most challenging as you have been going through this life uh, as a special needs mom so far, you're nine, you know, you're nine years in. Tell, tell us what has been, what's been most challenging. I know, I'm still young you're in still, it. still, listen, I've got you by a long shot here. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm way down the path. Oh my goodness. Well, I think the challenges of just being a mom of four in general mm-hmm. are the same challenges no matter where you go. Yeah. I think the hard part is trying to help everyone understand, like even my neurotypical kids, helping them understand mm-hmm. when Eva Mae's having a meltdown. You know, what are things we can do to help her mm-hmm. instead of trying to be, you know, a typical brother or sister and aggravate her more Mm -hmm. or push more buttons if you will i think that's the challenging part because it's like i'm trying to help her learn how to work through her meltdowns but i'm also trying to help the other ones figure out how to help her too Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm one person and i need to be this for everybody Mm -hmm. so that can be extremely challenging and, you know, talking about like trying to get your the other siblings, your other kids to get it and understand. And, you know, that's tough. But so often, you know, our friends and our family, they don't get it. You know, we're so often misunderstood and, you know, a lot of times judged. So how have you seen that play out for you? You know, okay, you're a pastor's wife. I don't know that we talked about that yet. <laughs> But I mean, that can be, you know, there are a lot of expectations that come along with that. You know, people think you should be at at everything and people think, you know, if the church doors open, you need to be there, but our lives are just different. So how have you seen that? How have you seen that judgment and that maybe just people not understanding what your life is like play out in your family? I will say if I've seen that judgment, I'm not really aware of it. I guess because I choose to live the life that God has called me to live and not focus on the outside things. Um, You do at times get people that kind of look funny at you because you might do things different. But to me, it's kind of like water off a duck's back. This Mm -hmm. is what God's called me to. And I have to rise above (laughs) the... (laughs) I have to rise above the other people's, I don't want to say ignorance, but they're not understanding mm-hmm. yeah. or misunderstanding mm-hmm. of my life. Yeah. But, you know, I'm from a small town. Everybody is so loving with my mm-hmm. family. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think people treat us differently. They yeah. treat us normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids go to Sunday school. Yeah. The Sunday school teachers treat them like they treat my other kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about being in a small town, everybody, that means everybody knows everyone and everything. And so how have you seen your community rally behind your family and help you 
when you've had crisis. I know you all like had COVID at the same time here recently. And, you know, and a lot of times people don't know what to do to help our family. So how have you seen people rally behind your family and help you in those crisis moments? Yes, we all had COVID and this past weekend, we all had the stomach bug. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and we had church, people from the church that would bring by meals. Mm. They would call and check on us if we needed something, medicine, whatever. They were so willing to go and get it for us. Mm-hmm. And that's their heart. You know, they want to serve you if they can serve you. I guess it's, I mean, we're in the South. I, I call it Southern hospitality, but... Yeah. You know, everybody's not used to that, but I think that's one of the great things about where we live. I was born and raised here, and mm. at times I wanted to, when I was growing up and I was a teenager, I wanted to get out of this get town. Get out but, of Dodge, yeah. Yes, but you come back and it's it's family. I mean, mm. always has been. Yeah, and I think you even have like family that lives across the street from you. Is that right? Yes, my husband's entire family, we live on the side of a mountain. And then my family lives about 25 minutes away from us. So we have a huge support network. That is so great because so many families don't have that. And so to have family that's there and supportive and helpful, such a gift, such a gift. Yes. Sometimes I'm sure that there are moments that that's (laughs) not necessarily a gift. We won't won't go there in this episode because I'm sure you're going to have family members (laughs) listening. So We'll uh we'll make sure that we that we don't cause any rifts <laughs> through this this podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you've been married. You said eleven years. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know you've got you know the four kids. Your husband's a pastor. How in the world do you make time for your marriage? How in the world do you do you make your marriage a priority? in the midst of all the other things that are going on. And I know, I think in the past, you've even been a homeschool mom. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that even adds more. So how do you, you know, how do you do that? How do you and your husband work together as a team to make your life as smooth as possible with four kids, being a pastor's wife, all the things? Yeah. It is challenging, but we we choose to live a simple life. Mm. Um, we don't have our kids... For example, we went and enrolled all our kids in baseball or softball. Um, we allow them to pick one sport, and we try to get them all in the same sport. That way, it's just a season that we are crazy and mm-hmm. chaotic. And then the rest of the time, it's family time. Or my husband and I try to have, we call it date night once a mm-hmm. month. We don't necessarily go out. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find yeah. someone that wants to keep four kids yeah. and two that are special needs. So we might we have a huge field um, down where below where we live, and it may be that we just go walk around the field and just take 15, 20, mm-hmm. 30 minutes just mm-hmm. to talk. We um, like to sit out on our front porch and the kids play in the yard, and we have time to just talk and just kind of be together. So we try to take it as we get it and enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. And I think it's being intentional. It's mm-hmm. it's be, having the mindset of, okay, this is a priority. This is important. And even if it is a walk around the field or stargazing from the front porch, whatever, whatever that works. I mean, you know, in exactly. our lives, you're like you said, a date night, what is that? You know, and, and so for so many of us, you know, in the special needs world, 
you know, my, my late husband and I, we used to, because uh, it was so hard to get a sitter. So we would go to lunch together when my son was in school because, hey, we already mm-hmm. had his care lined up. And so we could go go have lunch together. And so it's it's finding ways to make it happen and being intentional about it. And uh, so exactly. I know, I know from, uh, from what you wrote and in, in the information that we send you before a podcast, I didn't know this about you until then, you know, we've been in community group together for a while, but I did not know that you are big into decluttering and simplifying things. And so I want to know more about that because, you know, my life is not always uncluttered and, simple. So how have you gone about doing that? Why did you want to do that? And tell us a little bit about that part of your life and why it's so important to you. Well, it started actually the beginning of this year and it was never a new year's resolution. We had just finished celebrating Christmas and I had just a meltdown everything was overwhelming with all the Christmas festivities and we had all these new Christmas toys and we actually live in a really small house. We built it when we only had one child. (laughs) So now it's 1300 square feet and there's six of us living in it. And so everything just hit me all at one time. Mm. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. And my younger sister is, I guess, my, my free therapist. <laughs> she was telling me that I needed to start planning and I needed to declutter and work on things of that nature. And it would help me mentally. It would help me physically. And it has helped me spiritually as mm-hmm. well. Because when you realize that you don't need all the things that you have mm-hmm. and all the distractions we have in our lives, Mm -hmm. it frees us up to spend more time with the people that we love and care about and to get involved in ministry or Mm -hmm. a community group Mm -hmm. or a Bible study. So it's kind of being intentional about the things you want to involve yourself in. So how did you do that? I mean, like what, how did you get started? What was the first, like if someone was looking at, okay, that all sounds great, but you haven't seen my house. You haven't seen my life. What would you say? Like, what is a tip? What is, what's a great place to get started with that? I started with the minimal mom. Okay. She's actually on YouTube and I purchased her digital workbook and I've worked through it. And what she likes to say is, It's 15 minutes a day. And what I kind of worked through in my mind was you don't climb a mountain by leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. You climb it by one step at a time. So you set a timer for five minutes if you want to. And you say, okay, I'm going to focus on this one area. Mm. Like this morning, I was doing my kitchen. And I look at the task of unloading the dishwasher and I'm like, it's going to take me forever to unload and load the dishwasher. So I just let the dishes sit there. But in reality, it's going to take me less than 15 minutes. Mm, So if I just go ahead and do it, Mm -hmm. it's over and done with. And I've still got how many more hours in my day to do what I want to do. So I think a lot of times we just build it up in our head that tasks are bigger than they seem. Mm. Yeah, And like the same... The same is true like with my daughter. 
whenever it comes to helping her with schoolwork, I build it up bigger in my head. Mm. Like it's going to be a challenging task to get her to understand something. But when I make it fun and playful, it's so much easier for her to understand Mm -hmm. and we can do it in a whole lot less time and she's more cooperative. So it's just getting past that overwhelming part. And and now when you look at your kitchen, because you took those 15 minutes to do the dishes, you're not looking at dishes. And what does I know exactly. <laughs> what does that do to you? I see you just Woo! like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It relieves so much stress because it's like to me having a clean house, mm-hmm. even though I have four kids, my house is not clean all the time. It might be clean for like two hours of a day. But it's just so stress relieving and mm-hmm. it just brings such peace to me to see it clean for just a few minutes to know it's been done. Yeah. The floor's been swept. It's been mopped. Mm-hmm. It's done. Yeah. Well, okay. 15 minute increments. I can do that. I can do 15 minutes here or there. So that's yeah. great, great advice there, Katie. So I talked about that you are in the Wednesday community group that I lead. And it's so cool because we literally have moms from all around the world. We actually, our group, even since that episode has grown by leaps and bounds. And so we have new moms from, I mean, Beirut. We have moms from North Carolina. I mean, all over the place. And, uh, you know, you shared on there about why you wanted to join a group. And and so I'd love for you to kind of, let's talk a little bit about some of the other groups that you had been in before. Because you'd been in some groups that turned out not to be so uplifting and so encouraging. So what was that like? And then what's been your experience with being in community with the Rising Above moms? Yes, I was in a couple groups before coming to Rising Above. I was just trying to find people that I could relate to and somebody I could make connections with because the special needs mom life is completely different from the average mom life. Yeah. And in those groups, we would talk about the one good thing and the one bad thing that had happened each week. And that was it. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I have enough weight on my shoulders already with Mm -hmm. my own life. I can't bear these people's burdens too. Like I need somebody to help me mm-hmm. bear my burden. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was just kind of God's way of showing me these were not the right groups to be a part of. So then when I came across Rising Above and I joined the group for the first time, it was just so uplifting mm-hmm. and encouraging because the group was just accepting of me, even though my kids' special needs are not extreme per se um you know like ja he's he's profoundly special needs Mm -hmm. and um so my kids aren't as extreme but it's okay Mm -hmm. i'm still on this journey and the group just welcomed me with open arms and we don't talk necessarily about the bad things we all know that we have trials right we talk about the things we're thankful for that we've Mm -hmm. made it through another week yeah you know, and then yes. we pray for each other and, you know, we're sending cards to each other mm-hmm. and, you know, it's just great. It's yeah. it's such good friendships. And I really look forward to community groups each week because it's just encouragement for mm-hmm. my soul. 
Well, it's so funny. I was just, as we were talking, I was thinking back to years ago and it's kind of how our community groups started. It, and it was back when John Alex was in probably preschool and I had gone to a mom's prayer group. Well, this was not a special needs mom group. It was just a general school you know, prayer group. And I remember one of the moms is crying and she's she's just sobbing about her child who is is struggling with homework and just how hard that was. And one of the ladies looked at me and she said, you know, she was like, I'm so sorry. She said, because you're probably wishing that you were having to deal with homework issues and things like that instead of what you have to deal with. And I said, actually, no, I was sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, I don't have to deal with homework. I don't have to to do that. But But I realized in that, that I needed to be with people. I needed to have, you know, it, it is important for me to, to be in community with people who don't have kids with special needs because we all need to be doing this journey together. But I also needed a space where I could be with people that I could relate to on that level of understanding what an IEP is. And, and when we talk about, you know, no, no one can tell a poop story better than a special needs mom and, and yes. people, you know, and so that's kind of how our group started back before even rising above was in existence all those years ago, because I realized, you know, what, yeah, I was thankful. I didn't have to worry about homework. I was like, that's, you know, that's great. But so we, that's, it's important though, that we build that community with people who who we can relate with, but we don't want to do that to the exclusion of the other people in our life as well. But you had been so impacted by the group that you reached out to me after that podcast and you were like, okay, what can I do? And I said, well, would you like to apply to be a community group leader? So starting in January- you are going to be leading a new group. So why did you, what was on your heart about that? Why was that something you felt led to do? Ministry has always been a part of my heart. Um, My husband is a pastor. Um, I graduated with a degree in women's ministry and I never could figure out how that was going to pan out, like what it was going to look like, because here I am with four kids and two that have special needs and You know, I just, I'm like, I don't have the time to put on a whole women's ministry program. You know, that was, Mm -hmm. that was my vision when I was in college, but I'm like, it's, it's just not that season for me. And so whenever I joined community groups, I was like, this is great. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a weekly Bible study and it's something that I can do and still maintain my household and take care of my kids and Mm -hmm. then I can still encourage these other women and I can pray for them throughout the week so I was just really excited whenever uh you were like you can apply for this and I was like (laughs) yes I can do something in ministry well we're excited about that and we're excited to have a new group on the horizon horizon in January because our groups are growing by leaps and bounds and so I'm thankful to have you going to be joining us in, you know, part of the the community group team. And, you know, what is it I'm you hope so excited. that you accomplished, that, that God accomplishes through this group? What is your heart? What do you want for these moms who, who will end up joining your group? Oh, goodness. I hope that they are as encouraged as I am. Um, I hope that 
God just blesses them as much as he's blessed me through these groups because it's, it's incredible. This life is not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy for anybody. Yeah. But you know, when you have a group of people that can come behind you and support you and encourage Mm -hmm. you and help carry your burdens, it changes and makes life so much sweeter. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way that God intended for us to live in communion with him and with, his church body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hope that's what they do. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll have more information about that uh, coming up here in the next few weeks. So people can find out about your group and when you're going to meet and all of those things. And, you know, this is our year of restoration at rising above. And so we're asking all of our podcast guests, what is it that you are doing right now? Or how is God bringing restoration into your life? I am doing restoration by decluttering, by minimizing the distractions in my life and being able to focus on the things that are truly important Mm. to me. That's so good. That's what I'm doing. And in the process of doing that, I'm able to focus on my relationship with God more, Mm -hmm. which is, it's challenging when you have four kids and two with special needs because you, your time is very limited. Yeah. So by eliminating all the distractions in my life, it, it really helps to free me up to be ready for what God has for me. So good. Well, Katie, thank you so much for your time. I've enjoyed getting to know you even more than I've known you through our community group and um, just grateful for you and your friendship. And I'm hoping, you know, you tried to come to By the Brook in Cookville this year. It didn't work out because your, your crew was sick, but you know, you don't live that far. So I'm hoping that you're going to be able to make a trip. Yeah across the way and I will actually get to meet you in person. That would be fun. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.